This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? Take your Bible, if you will, and your copy of God's Word and find Matthew chapter 6 as we prepare our hearts for communion, the Lord's Supper. I want to share from you from a, a song that we just sang, The Power of the Cross. I want to Just draw your attention to these words. Now the ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. The ground beneath quakes as its maker bows his head. Think about that for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ was on a cross dying for our sin as the maker and creator and ruler of all things. And the the earth quaked when he bowed his head. When we think about the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of scripture points to that moment. All of scripture points us to Jesus Christ. Everything we say, everything that we do, every hymn that we sing, every prayer that we pray, everything that we do should point us to the cross of Jesus Christ. As I read the gospel sometimes, and as I I started thinking this way in a communion service one as as a pastor, right in the middle of the service, it began to dawn on me as I was reading uh, the the account in the Gospels about the upper room, it, it just dawned on me very vividly that day as a pastor, Christ knew where he was going. As he was in the upper room that night, he knew what that bread represented. To, to, the, to the disciples, that was the old covenant. That was uh, Egypt. That was the deliverer freeing the nation of Israel from the bondage of Egypt. Jesus knew that bread was his body. When Jesus poured the the wine that died with the upper rooms and he looked into the, the eyes of the disciples, he knew Judas would betray him. He knew that Peter would deny him. And he knew that that was his blood for our sins. I was sitting in our uh, Tuesday Bible study. We have a Tuesday uh, Bible study that we have here on Tuesday at lunch from 12 to 1. Um, It is 12 to 1. Lawler does a lot better time with time than I do. He knows that there's work, so we meet at 12 o'clock. We eat and we have Bible study. We're out at 1 o'clock. So, men, if you're in town and the Avon Park area from 12 to 1. Love to have you come to that Bible study. But sitting there in Bible study, we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. And I was thinking about 
communion this Sunday. And so I want us to turn to the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And I was thinking, even as we were discussing that Tuesday, Christ knew about the cross as he was sharing the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, teach us to pray. And Christ showed them how to pray. But Christ also understood in his heart, I believe, that this prayer would not mean anything until after the cross. And we look at the Lord's Prayer and we recite the Lord's Prayer and it's a form of a prayer and it's a model prayer. But do we understand that this prayer is only possible because of what we have with the broken body of Jesus Christ and his shed blood for our sins? What an awesome privilege that we have to bow our head and our heart and immediately come into the presence of God. Now think about that. We can still our heart and our voice and our mind and immediately we go into the presence of the Almighty God. We sang about the veil being torn in two from top to bottom because of Jesus Christ. We have access to our Heavenly Father. How many times have we said the Lord's Prayer and taken for granted that it is Christ himself that made that prayer even hearable? Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. We know this. We've recited this. We've prayed this. It is Christ that gave it to us. I think Christ gave it to us in this simple form because it is this simple. It is a heart prayer. It is a prayer based on a relationship between a creator and his creation. Verse 9 of Matthew 6, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. For so many of us that grew up understanding in the King James Version. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we know that in certain manuscripts it would have concluded with, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we think about that day on the cross and we think about that body and that blood, I think we need to realize and reflect upon what that allows us to have. And what it is to know that that Christ has done. I want to read an excerpt from A.W. Pink wrote these words in his discourse and commentary on the Lord's Prayer. And every expression, petition, and argument of this prayer, we see Jesus. He and the Father are one. 
He has a name given to him which is above every name. He is the blessed and only potentate, and his kingdom ruleth over all. He is the living bread from which came down from heaven. He had power on earth to forgive sins. He is able to help them that are tempted. He is the angel that redeems from all evil. The kingdom power and the glory pertain upon him. He is the fulfillment and the confirmation of all divine promises and gracious assurances. Himself the amen and the faithful witness. Well did Tertullian term the Lord's Prayer, the gospel abbreviated. The more clearly we understand the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of the glory of Christ, the more we shall love this wonderful prayer. And glorying in the gospel, which is the power of God and the wisdom of God to them that believe. We shall rejoice with joy unspeakable as we offer the divinely prescribed petitions. And then expect gracious answers. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the time-tested truth and simplicity of your word found in passages so dear to our hearts. And Lord, as we take a few moments, open up our hearts again afresh and anew to realize what it is that we have in Christ and what it is that we have the glory of Christ revealed to us that day on the cross. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May we never forget what we have because of Jesus Christ. Let's take that prayer and look through those seven petitions very thoughtfully and quickly. Because of Christ, notice the introduction. Our Father. Now, we understand when Christ said that, he was fully God and fully man. And he knew that the heavenly Father, that that Christ was saying, our Father. But notice who he is addressing, the disciples. Notice what Christ is saying, our Father. Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not a religion. It is by grace through faith that we ask Christ to forgive us of our sin and we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We enter into a relationship with a Holy Father and adopted into the family of God. Our Father our Redeemer, our Maker, our Sustainer. He formed you. He created you. He redeemed you. He loved you. You were His. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the sickness you're going through. He knows the trials that you are facing. You are His. He is preparing a place for each and every one of us. And for those that are his, he will call us home. 
He loves you. For those that are His, for those that are redeemed, for those that have called on the name of the Lord, that those who received Him, He has given the right to become children of God. Because of Jesus Christ, we can understand that we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can you imagine trying to explain to someone the holiness of God? That he, he is absolutely perfect. What makes salvation necessary is our sin. Have you ever thought about the problem is not God, the problem is us. The problem is that there's nothing anyone can do to please God. That is what the law pointed out. We talked last Sunday night about the law. The law came up a lot. There's nothing we can do under the law that is going to fulfill the righteousness and holiness of God. Our works will never do it. It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy is the Lamb of God. Holy is the Father. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. He is holy and righteous and pure. And yet Jesus Christ died so that we don't need a temple. We don't need repetitive sacrifices of doves and pigeons and animals and things. He was the perfect sacrifice and the only sacrifice that would appease the wrath of God because of his holiness. And because of Jesus Christ, we can enter into the presence of the holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We have a heavenly father that is ruling and reigning that is sovereign. And he has a purpose and a plan. And you think about the, the Holy Week, the Passion Week, the events leading up. In just a few weeks, we'll be celebrating these days and these events. Everything led up. Everything in history led up to the cross. And in the Passion Week, we track the life of Christ and we track the life of the disciples and everything is leading up to the cross. Everything is leading up to that resurrection. Have you ever noticed that everything in Scripture has a purpose and a plan and that purpose and plan always leads to Christ? Think about our life. Is there anything that can take place outside of that purpose and plan of God and His Son? Is there anything, and I say this often, as we walk through life, we don't see it, but as we pass through it, we see it clearly. I think about my life to become a pastor. As I was, if I was living life, even as I was making sinful, disobedient, wrong choices, God would take that disobedience and use that to discipline me and conform me into his will to prepare me for his purpose for a day such as today. 
and I can look back and see that God, from the moment that I walked in that first Sunday school room, and I guarantee you, knowing my personality, the teachers kind of went, oh my goodness, we thought he had graduated. from being brought up in a home that we went to church, even though I may not have been listening as a young child. Everything in life, there's a purpose and a plan. A random meeting of a girl on a tennis court back in the 70s. A random encounter with a girl I thought was cute. Who would have ever thought that 20-something years later she'd be my wife? We look at life as so random and choices as so flippant and, and the, the, the freedom that we have, we just take is, is just, we're just doing whatever, whenever. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God has a purpose and a plan for every one of his children because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's hard to take luck out of our vocabulary, but let's try to take it out of our theological vocabulary. There's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as random events taking place. The whole debate about evolution and creation. I always want to say, you've got to be kidding me. Random acts created this. Yeah, that's, that's, that's real easy to believe. Thank you, Christ, for allowing us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father who rules and reigns and has a purpose and a plan. Give us this day our daily bread. You notice the, the transition there. God, you are holy, you are righteous, you rule, you reign, we love you, you provide, you take care. We can only ask those things because of who our Father is. Think about that. We don't start the prayer off, Lord, this is what I need. We start the prayer off, Lord, this is who you are. He does love us. He does know us. He knows what we're going through. He knows the events in our lives. And notice what he says, ask your father what you need. Christ died on that cross so that we can ask our father what we need. Because our Father will provide what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. God will meet our physical needs. He'll meet our physical needs. Here's a great way to think about life and death. He will meet our physical needs until the day he calls us home. That's good theology right there. Not a day later, not a day sooner. When he calls us to glory, he's meeting our needs. When we have a, a disease or a sickness or a random act takes place, a random act seems to take place and we've lost a loved one, that's not a random act. 
Christ has met our needs. Our Heavenly Father has met our needs until the day He brings us home. And I'm going to tell you, a better place to be, as much as I love you, is not with you, but with my Father. It is just so hard for us to let go. Because of Jesus Christ, I can pray and ask my Father, and I know He will give me everything I need. Physically, Secondly, look at verse 12. Forgive us our debts spiritually. In in 1 Corinthians, we hear that, that when we come before the Lord's table, it's very clear we need to examine ourselves. And do not come across the, the bread and the wine in an unworthy manner. And it even goes on to say, some have slept among us. Evidently, there was some, some unworthy things going on and some, some death taking place. Well, that should alarm us. We literally need to think every time we open up the Word, every time we enter into worship, especially every time we come before the table of the Lord and we come and to gather for that purpose, we need to examine ourselves. But here's the great news in that. He forgives us. I thought about something this morning, a new member session I had. You know one of the dangers that we have when we enter into church? I think we enter into church as an individually and we look around and we think, I'm the only one in this room that doesn't have their life together. I think a lot of times we enter in and our hearts are heavy and our lives are in a, in a mess and we enter in that and we look down and we say, look at Steve Smith and Darlene and David Cloud. Their world is perfect. And they're the Verklers and little baby Verkler and she's sitting there listening to the sermon. What a perfect family. Let me encourage you. None of us have our life together. We're all sinners saved by grace. The great news that we have is none of us are perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. None of us will ever completely have it figured out other than we're following Christ. That's the only thing we really need to figure out. We just follow Christ, love him, love his word, and do what he asks us to do. Then we worship and adore him. That's all we got to figure out. But none of us had this figured out. But we're forgiven. And any time we gather, we can say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you. I shared with somebody the other day, I'm so grateful for the patience of God on my life. That he forgives us. That's what makes Christianity the way, the truth, and the life. No other religion has a Savior that died for their sins and rose again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us this day our daily bread and for giving us our sins as we also forgive others. One of the harsh realities of the gospel, I'm embarrassed to say, is we are people that that base our faith in life on forgiveness, but we are so 
quick not to forgive others. One of the things that's very disheartening to me is when I hear Christians talk about the world that we live in. By the way, the world that we live in has fallen. All right? That's what fallenness looks like. Fallenness behaves the way our society behaves without Christ. And not by the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, guess where we would be? Right there with him. And before the day we repented of our sin and placed our faith in Christ, we were amongst them. We need to learn to be people of grace and extend that grace as it has been extended to us. And then it also reminds us what Christ has done for us. Lead us not into temptation. Isn't it great to know that when we're saved, it's not like Christ says, listen, I've saved you, I've died on the cross, I rose again, I'm at the right hand of the Father, I'll check back in with you when I return, maybe you can figure this out. You know what Christ does? You know what the Heavenly Father did? He sent His Son, He sent His Spirit to abide in us, He sent His Word We have his word, we have his people, we have his spirit, we have his son. We have everything that we need at our disposal to live out the Christian life. We're not left down here to wing it and figure it out. We have the word of God and the spirit of God to help us understand. We don't have to live a life where we are led into temptation, but he will deliver us from it. We're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always. Here's a prayer that we ought to be praying daily. I know I do. Lord, on my own, I'm going to mess this up. But when I listen to you and I love you and I follow you, I will always please you. Apart from Christ... And apart from the leading of the Spirit, you know how many bad choices you can make? You made a handful this week, didn't you? You ever heard somebody say, and I mentioned this this morning in a class, I I try to limit the number of times I get in the flesh to a minimum. You know what it means to get in the flesh? You ever gotten in the flesh? It's almost in my little world is where I tell the Holy Spirit, could you step over here just for a while? Spirit of God, could you just step over here for a while? John wants to take over. That's the flesh. When we try to live our life apart from the Spirit of God controlling our life. And because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to do that. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.